Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship, par 72, plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. By day, hard-working cowboy. I'm a hard-working cowboy. And his faithful companion, sport truck. This is my faithful companion, sport truck. But when night falls, they become the Dodge Adventurers. Get them up, sport truck. There's boredom in River City. Who are you? Perhaps my optional bucket seats, power steering, air conditioning will identify me. Aren't you the Dodge Adventurer? My secret's out. Come on, girl. We've still got time to swing. I bring it to my buddy Rick Dale. I mean, he is the guy. I'm Rick with Rick's Restorations in Las Vegas, and I'm the guy that can restore anything. The pond guys have been bringing me things for years, and they're trying to stump me one way or the other, and that still hasn't happened. How come every time you bring me something, it's barely hanging on? It's the biggest piece of crap you can find. It's missing a carb. The seat's pretty trashed. We're going to need some tires. Wow, that's trash. That needs a lot of work. On a scale of 1 to 10, it's about a 2 on the inside. That is one unique-looking chest. That is beautiful. A little rough. Uh, yeah, it's pretty rough on the inside. Yeah. Do you think you can fix it up? Well, I've accepted all your other challenges. I don't know why I can't do this one. That is the old trunk. Oh, man, it's beautiful, man. It looks great, man. I mean, it still looks old, but it's like in new condition. Yeah, we went and put all brand new leather in here, but we, we patinaed it a little bit to make it match all this so it looks old. The inside, we cleaned. So we went and relined it with all cotton lining. So was it a good time restoring this thing? It was a nightmare. It was a bloody nightmare. It's probably the hardest thing I've had to do for you. You'd think I'd be used to the crap that Rick brings in, but this Rocon was a nightmare. It absolutely went over the top. So what happened? Uh, you know, I had to gut the thing and take everything off and rebuild everything on it. Everything on this bike was dented, bent, twisted. Time and time again, Rick Dale delivers. It's getting to the point where he can just sneeze on something and he makes me money. I swear he could turn dog into gold.
listeners, you have tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And uh, run to your computers and flip on TamTalk1340.com, and you can see us live in the studio. Hey, we got a great show for you tonight and some groovy music. But we really have a cool guy coming on tonight as our guest. We probably gave you a hit early in the show. But anyway, and I want to welcome to the show Cedric. Cedric, how you doing? Howdy, howdy. And our main buddy and sponsor for the evening, Chris from Collector Car Auctions. How you doing, Chris? Fine. How are you, Robert? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here again on the show. <laughs> Super. So what did you find this week? Oh, my goodness. Crown Collector Car Auctions is growing in leaps and bounds. And this October 14th and 15th, the Tampa Bay area is going to be treated to some of the greatest collector cars the country has to offer. I got uh, consigned today a 1961 Bentley S2 sedan. Oh, really? That is the most fabulous example of this automobile I have ever seen. The paint is a mile deep. It has had a meticulous restoration. And the interior was done by Louis Vuitton. The entire interior is Louis Vuitton uh, seats and and upholstery. upholstery. Yeah, the, the entire car. Uh, it is by far the most fabulous Bentley I have ever seen. Now S two stands for Series Two, right? That's that correct. The, okay. Now is that the now they they made a convertible version of that. And they made a coupe version of that, right? They they made a convertible, a coupe, and a sedan. And so this th- is the sedan. Okay. Is this late sixties, early fifties? This is nineteen sixty one. They 61. made it from fifty nine to sixty one. Okay. Is that the one that's really cool, two-door, with the real kind of cool fins on the back and everything? Absolutely. And you, not the two-door. The four-door is the uh, Bentley that Roger Moore would drive, or or Goldfinger and Roger Moore and, and uh, the the movie. Uh, Goldfinger. Please tell me. It's the movie Goldfinger, but the Goldfinger. It's, it's 007. 007, okay. And, uh, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I'm so excited about this car. Uh, it is... Fabulous, and uh, I can't wait for the people of Tampa Bay to see it this October at the fairgrounds. What color is it? It's maroon and black. It's oh, a two paint job, and believe me, the paint you could fall into. Wow, it's so deep. What about those uh, Firebirds you were telling me about here? Whatever happened on those? Uh, well, I'm, I'm uh, working with the consigner to get them. There are two fabulous Firebird uh, Trans Am GTAs that are totally original with fifteen thousand five hundred miles and nineteen thousand miles on it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and they came with the uh, 5.7 liter TPI uh, Corvette engine. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're great cars, T-tops loaded out, and still smell like new. That's great. Still That's have great. the original tires, the original hoses, belts, everything, the way it came out of the factory. When you open up the hood and look at them, they look like brand new. So we're going to have a really eclectic auction with some really, really cool cars, it sounds like, which uh, is exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. It's very exciting and heartwarming to see the outpouring of cars that are coming to the show and also the bidders that are coming from all over the country. What's the oldest car you got, uh, Consign? We have a 1919 Ford Model T Depot hack that is totally original. It was found sitting in a auto parts store that has been there for 60 years, and it is absolutely the way it came from Ford. No kidding. Yep. Wow, that's super. Really cool car. Hey, Cedric, what do we got queued up on the turntable this evening? Well, on the vinyl, we have some of the Ombres. The Ombres. Now, there's a classic. Let's see if everybody remembers this groovy song. Okay, uh, let it song. roll. I preach, my dear friends, you're about to receive on John Barleycorn, Nicotine, and the Temptations of Eve. Suicide, hot dog, my razor broke, water dripping up the spout, but I don't care, let it all hang out. 
by my knees, sunshine through the shade. Nobody knows what it's all about. Too much, man. Let it all hang out. Walking upside down, my TV's on the blink. Made Galileo look like a Boy Scout. Sorry about that, let it all hang out. Sleep all day, drive all night. Brain my numb, can't stop now. Sure ain't no doubt, keep open mind, let it all hang out. Big brown moon, how does that mess your baby up leg? Eating a Reuben sandwich with sauerkraut. Don't stop now, baby, let it all hang out. Let it all hang out. Let it all hang Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk. At the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727 501 9090. That's 727 501 9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727 501 9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Grabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Grabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Grabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. All right, we're back, and we're live in the studios of downtown Clearwater, WTAN, AM 1340, with my guest, Chris, from Crown Collector Car Auctions. You forgot to mention the website, Chris. Go ahead. Give us some info. Oh, sure. Well, uh, everybody out there listening, if they're interested in attending the show or consigning a car or registering to bid, go to www.crowncollectorcars.com. You'll find all the information there. 
Okay, super. Now, let's go. Don't forget, we got this weekend, every Saturday night, you got Sneaky Pete's, Sneaky Pete's Scoops and Subs. That's our buddy down there, Pete. Car show Saturday night, that's 5507 38th Avenue North in St. Pete or Pinellas Park, whichever comes first. And the phone number, 727-343-3030, 727-343-3030. Also, hey, be sure and show up. September 30th through October 2nd, the Superboat National Championships here in downtown Clearwater at the uh, Coachman Park. That's what it is. Remember, I couldn't think of that the last time. Coachman Park, it's actually Baystar Village. They call it that for the for the purposes of the event, which is where the, pit, the pits will be for the boats and everything like that. And then, of course, the Superboat, superboat races will be. T- time trials and stuff will be on Saturday, and Sunday will be the big boat races. So be sure and be down at Clearwater Beach this Two weeks. That's next weekend. Yeah, or two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks from now. Yeah. It's going to be a great okay. event. And then be sure and give my buddies a call over there at Cop Cars Online. That's Mark and John at 727-536-2677. Check out their law enforcement squad car museum. they got some cool cars down there. Make an appointment to go by and see them. That's 727-536-2677. That's Cop Cars Online. You never know. Instead of sitting in the back seat, you can be sitting in the front seat driving a squad car. How about that? Yeah, I've I had a chance to see those cars, and, and they do a fabulous job with them, boy. They're great cars. They're excellent, exactly. Hey, you know what? While we're while we got a few minutes here, uh, Chris, you you've sold some cars, and I've sold some cars. Now, what one one of these times? I can't think of anything right at the moment, but, but you know when you go through the process of selling a car to somebody, you know, an old classic car, and sometimes the cars are nice, sometimes they're not so nice, you know. And that's the, not the case with me. No, I know not with you, but 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 I know you've gone and looked at some of them, or you've been around people that have looked at cars. The thing that I always find comical is when people go to buy a car and they have no clue as to what they're buying, and the ridiculous questions that they ask. You know, I mean, when you clearly have a car advertised, it says. This is a 1970, we won't mention any names, but let's say a 1970 Chevelle. All right. Okay, it's got a set of SS stripes on it, got a set of bags on it, you know, maybe an SS steering wheel, a couple of SS badges, but it is not an SS. Okay, it's got a fresh paint job on it and stuff, but you get these people that call because I kind of hang out at this one place and I kind of look at cars from time to time, and this boggles my mind because I just can't believe that people actually, you really need to do your homework, okay? You really got to do your homework, but when the cars are advertised, and, and I've fault both the seller and the buyer. The seller's got to really advertise the car correctly. And I know you've run into this because you've went and looked at some cars that were clearly a joke. I have. And then the buyer goes in there and the unassuming, you know, not so knowledgeable buyer, he's going to get hammered. And then what happens is that he gets tainted after a while. He says, oh, so-and-so sold me this car or or this company sold me that car. I bought this car off eBay or whatever. However, the acquisition was made and he's complaining because he got hammered. Well, Again, that goes back to hiring someone like me that's a professional that goes out and consults and looks at these cars and knows what they're talking about. But usually, guys, here's a warning. If you're looking at a 1970 Chevelle and it says SS454 LS5 factory four-speed, you know, there's a couple things you've got to ask for. A, is it a match-numbered car? Well, first of all, if it's 25000 bucks and it's been painted and it's got a set of quarters hung on it and some reproduction parts, and they use the term restored, chances are it's not. It's mildly reconditioned or it's just slapped together with a so-so paint job a couple ss badges and stripes and so on but you really got to check this stuff out because a real ls5 chevelle is worth what uh, you know 80 to 120,000 if yeah. it's a hard top or a convertible yeah but you know it's funny that you mentioned the 1970 chevelle those are one of the most difficult chevelles to really prove what they were born with because gm dropped 
the distinction between Malibu and Chevelle by the VIN number. It used to be 136 were all Malibus, and right. 138 VIN codes were all Chevelle SSs. And in 1969, they dropped that. So 1970... Uh, 69 and 70. 68 was the last year. 68 was the last right. year. And uh, in 1970, they were all VIN 136 cars. You have to really check the trim tag and the rest of the VIN numbers to see whether it was a V8 car and, and how it was built. Mm-hmm. And really, the only way to really know is from the protecto plate exactly. and the build sheet. And the build sheet, exactly. Now, what I did find out here recently is, you're familiar with Pontiac, the PHS histor- the Pontiac Historical Society, the PHS? A- absolutely. Okay. I've used them many times. Pontiac's very good at documenting cars. The Shelby Club is very good at documenting cars. Uh, Chrysler has got Galen Govier, who's pretty good, but not exactly you know, on top of everything. You've got the Marty Report, which is fairly accurate, which is actually Ford Records. But what I found out here recently, and I'm not sure if you know this or not, but the Canadian Chevrolets are documented extremely well. For some reason, the Canadian manufactured cars, they kept all the records. So a Canadian Chevelle, for example, like I was just recently looking at a car for a guy. It was a 65 SS uh, 327 car. L79, yeah. Uh, it wasn't an L79 car. It was actually an L30, which is a 250-horse oh, okay. car. But, yeah, an L79 is a rare car. Right. That's What did they call that? Z11 or something like that? Oh, Z11. Z, yeah. Z something? Okay. Um, that's a 396 car, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Extremely rare. Well, they right. made like 250, 300 of those cars. Very I, rare cars. Very rare cars. Okay. But anyway, so this car was a documented car with all the paperwork from Canada, from the Can- Chevrolet of Canada. So it documented that it had tinted glass, factory four-speed, factory and dash tack, factory 12-bolt, which I didn't know they put 12-bolts in 65s. I thought it was 67 or 8 was the first year. A few things like that. So that car, you can clearly look at that car and say, yeah, that's a real car because everything on that piece of paper matches the actual car. But as in the case of the 70 Chevelle, for example... You know, A, it's 25000 That's the first flag. Right. <laughs> Hung a set of quarters on it. You know, reproduction hood doesn't fit right. Things like that. No numbers on the thing. No protector plate. No uh, build sheet. Zip zero knot. There's nothing to go by. And just like you said, from 69, 70, 71, 72, actually, you can't tell what it is. Now, it wasn't until 72 or three, 73 for certain, maybe 72, when they put the engine code in the GM serial numbers. Prior to that, you couldn't tell. That's right. You know, so it makes it very difficult, and that's why a person like yourself is very valuable to be hired by someone who is not knowledgeable to go out and inspect the car prior to them buying it. Uh, that service is going to be available at our auction mm-hmm. uh, this coming October 14th and 15th for people, so they should get in touch with you if they're planning on coming to have a car inspected to buy. Okay. Get a hold of me ahead of time. My number, I can be reached at 727 727- Five four one one seven four one. That's five four one one seven four one seventeen forty one. That's uh, here in Clearwater. Okay, I'll be available the week before. Yes, uh, and during actually, the auction. Actually, from the twelfth, the cars will be able to be inspected. Okay, super. That's great. Hey, what do we got? Cute. Let's do a couple commercials. We got our guest ready. Just about. Super. Hey, listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater. Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, menicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. 
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Katakas Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Katakas Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotakas Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure and mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. It's been a really busy morning here at the shop. Rick Harrison's here because he wants me to check out an old 1957 Chevy that he bought from the Pickers. Rick wants it restored because he's going to give it to his father for his 70th birthday gift. So naturally, he's looking to me to transform another piece of crap that he may have spent too much money on into an American classic. Remember back in the day when things were made by hand and people took pride in their work? My name's Rick Dale, and I bring these things back to life. Every restoration has its own set of challenges. There's no owner's manual for what we do, but there's no job we can't handle. Time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Okay, now I gave you plenty of clues. I don't always do this, but this time I did because I can't resist. But anyway, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show the star of History Channel's hit TV show, American Restoration, every Friday night, Rick Dale. Rick, are you there? Oh, yeah, that was good. I'm glad I didn't miss that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, Rick, I got my buddy Chris sitting in with me. Chris, say hi to Rick. How you doing, Rick? This is Chris with Crown Collector Cars. And he's uh, a- good, good. good. He's a huge fan of yours too. So uh, anyway, so how you doing? How'd the show go today? You did some filming, right? 
Yeah, we've been filming all day. It's all good, just different things. You different. know, uh, more challenges. More challenges, okay. Hey, yeah. uh, did you uh, catch a little segment I played at the very beginning there when uh, I played a little clip from uh, The Pick, The Pond, The Polish? Did you catch that? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> so tell us about that. How did that uh, How did that one all come about? That was kind of cool that you incorporated all three shows. Yeah, in fact, in the beginning, we... Uh, when we first even got aired, we thought, man, what a great thing, because we sort of all do the same thing, or it's all sort of tied together. You know, we get one guy that buys it, one guy that restores it, and one guy that picks it, you know. So we sort of, you know, mingled them together, and then finally history thought, hey, yeah, that'd be a great, great idea. Um, so Rick sort of did the thing. Rick Harrison with uh, Pawn Stars ended up, you know, calling up the tickers, and it was a real deal. They came in, and then Rick, of course, gives me the deadline from uh, Heck to uh, get the thing done in a certain amount of time. So it was all good. It was very, very stressful trying to get that stuff done. And then we incorporated one of the other, you know, hot rod shops here in town, which is the Count. And he does, uh, you know, he does hot rods, nothing but hot rods and motorcycles. So it it worked out for us because I have a very large schedule to take care of my other stuff, too. Excuse me. Hey, well, now tell us, I was just curious, because that car, they found that somewhere in Nevada or Arizona, wherever they got that car from. Now, you really couldn't tell on TV from the pictures, but my experiences in Arizona have been, and out west, um, cars are pretty solid. So was that car a fairly solid car to start with, I mean, with original sheet metal? Here's how it came in. It was was one of those, and I warned Rick about it, it was one of those ones where somebody did a little Bondo job on it and covered it up in primer so you couldn't see the problem. Uh-huh. And uh, we got done taking it apart. There was nothing. I mean, nothing left on it. We skimmed the entire car. We had to make pieces for the car. We had this fabricator that, I mean, he literally had to make everything. The side panels, you couldn't buy redux side panels or anything like that. So we had to make them, cut things out. And it was just, it was a nightmare. And to be able to start from the ground up with a car that you had to build by hand, you can imagine the, the amount of stuff that went into it. It wasn't a – just because it was from Arizona didn't mean it wasn't in uh, Alabama at one point. I gotcha. Now, how many hours and how long did it actually take you to do that car? Well, we have – I have 15 guys work for me, and he has Whoa. 15 guys. His 15 guys were on a three-month straight, six days a week, and then about 10 hours a day. And we probably had half of that into it. So there was, I mean, there was a boatload of hours in that car. I mean, hours and hours and hours. Wow. So, yeah, no, it, it uh, you know, you got a new drivetrain in it and all that kind of stuff. But the chassis had to be dealt with. You took the springs in the back and, uh, and, and, and removed them and replaced them in other areas. So we put really fat, uh, you know, tires on it, you know, so it would look better. Want to give it that, you know, hot rod look from underneath. And uh, I mean, power window did. I mean, it was. It came out really, really nice. Because I remember in the show, you were saying something that was going to cost about seventy five thousand bucks to do that one. Is it? About, is that about what you were on budget at on that one? Yeah, we ended up at eighty. We yeah. ended up at eighty. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know what's interesting about that car is you painted it black and white. And I don't know if you're familiar, but back in the late fifties, uh, Chevrolet campaigned a uh, kind of a killer badass Chevrolet fifty seven. They called it the Black Widow. And that yeah. car was very similar to that car. That's that's the first thing that popped in my mind, you know, because it was a two door, it was a two ten or a post car of some kind. Yeah, but, uh, in production when we're filming, we said that quite a few times. I don't know if it got aired, but that's exactly the look that we were going for with mm-hmm. the black. Yes, that was a cool piece. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me. So tell us, how did you get started in all this thing, Rick? I mean, your background, you're kind of you know kind of a all around kind of guy, right? I mean, you're from Southern California originally, Newport area, right? That's um, San Diego, basically. Right. Yeah, I, I, I was 
I was born down there. I moved up here when I was 13. But um, background, when I was nine years old, my dad gave me a bicycle, a beat-up piece of junk that he found on the side of the street because uh, I was wanting a bicycle. And he said if I want to appreciate anything, I'd have to restore it, build it, make it my own. And then after I did that, I mean, he was right. I rode it around the neighborhood very proudly and that I was capable of built, you know, making it myself. You know, I'd go get a bearing, sand it all down, paint it, you know, make it, you know, make it my own. So I started there, and then um, my dad was really good at trying to uh, teach me things that, that you know, because we weren't wealthy, and he, and he would teach me things that, that I could, you know, make something old into something new, and that, that just sort of went along with it. As much as my dad and I really had our battles, believe me, all through life, because I was the oldest son, and uh, I was always making mistakes and getting in trouble, but he really, really harped on me to, you know, to do these things. I mean, I went to, I was in soapbox derby races, and he showed me how to work with fiberglass and wood. And, and then, uh, you know, I got into motorcycles, so I learned how to build motors. And then, and then I got into cars, and then I got into boats. And, you know, I sort of had all these different backgrounds. And then that was like as a teenager. And then... Next thing you know, I started taking on construction. I started to learn how to build buildings. I started to learn, I was a general contractor. I learned, I was an uh, excavation contractor. I learned how to, you know, dig ditches and, and I had heavy equipment. And then I ran a couple businesses. So I had, a, I had all this experience going on. And then uh, one day I ended up, uh, <laughs> I ended up to where everything fell on its face. In 83 here in Vegas, the markets went crazy. It wasn't getting any construction work, so I had to, I had to do something to make a living, and um, I built a Coke machine, and, and that's how this business, Rick's Restoration, started, with building one Coke machine and taking it to Southern California and found somebody that was interested in it. Actually, it was overseas that was interested in it, and uh, found some guys wanted to sell them, and I found out I could restore them and sell them for profit, and that's how I got started. Wow, that's cool. Now, the so you did that in the in the eighties, and then you tell me, did you you traveled around quite a bit? So, how did you acquire a lot of this these like machines and stuff? So, you effectively you you were kind of like a picker in a way, weren't you? Kind of like a little uh, scrounge, just looking at junkyards and backyards and alleys and all over the place, looking for really cool antiques and stuff, right? But predominantly Coke machines, right? Right, right. I mean, Coke machines, gas pumps, jukeboxes, stuff like that. But what happened was, is I ran through the West Coast as fast as I could and found what I had to, but I also found that there was other places that wanted to buy stuff. So I would restore a few things, put them in a trailer, and then I'd end up head up across the country. I would go, you know, maybe I'd go to Arizona first, and then I'd go to Texas, and then I'd, I'd go out a little further. So I would sell what I was going, what I was restoring, but on the way back, I was either empty or I, you know, I had a bit, I needed more machines. Somebody said, hey, do you have one of these? Or had, you know, had something like that. So I would go door to door. I would, I would go into restaurants and bars, and, and it was the funnest part of my job to be able to talk to people and, and, and learn their life first before I hit them with the question of, do, they, do you know where something is or do you want to sell something? And, and it really got me to be a people person with everything. I got a dialect where when I was in some of the city that I could start talking like them, you know. I wanted to, I wanted to be chameleon to where they felt like they were... Uh, Talking to a local? Yeah, you're talking to a local. That's right. You know, you got to do okay. something like that. And then, and then all of a sudden I got, so I found some stuff, and I found out that worked, and, and it worked. And it was just through the years that, I, I mean, I'd go back and forth sometimes. Some years I was going 52 times a year. I mean, 52 times, yeah, a year. So once a week I was cross-country. Wow. It was crazy. So picking, picking's it. I mean, I mean, it's not just what I was 
finding and in what I knew we were selling. But um, you know, didn't find all that other stuff too. I know we're, there's a lot of cool stuff. Well, it's like you said. It's it's you're getting you're mixing in with the culture and the local. Uh, way of life and the environment, so to speak, and you're kind of getting, uh, you're building a rapport with the people, and it's like once you build a rapport with somebody, it kind of drops all the barriers, and then suddenly you're like buddy buddies, and then they open up to you, which that's kind of cool, yeah. and then and then you maintain a relationship for years to come. Absolutely, that's exactly what's important is maintaining a relationship. Don't burn bridges, and uh, you know, and yeah, they and tell them after a while, you know, say yeah, this is what I do. Which sure they're very interested and. In, that I'm capable of doing something like that. So then they helped. They helped out. I mean, they, they'd be calling me saying, hey, yeah, I found some more stuff for you. Even to this day, people do that for me. Wow. And that's awesome. <laughs> so, like, is there any particular items that you like hunting down the most? I mean, it's kind of like the hunt is one thing. The hunt's almost more fun than the kill, isn't it, in a way? Yeah. To me, the hunt is better than the, the sell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. The, uh, the most important, the most, I mean, I'm, I'm because I guess because I, I did Coke machines for so long, and I know that they, they'll never go down in value. I don't think that they – I think they're as good an investment as, as anything you, out there, you know, actually, if you buy one and sell one. Um, but right now, I think it's the, the oddities. But, I mean, some big piece of a – I mean, a drugstore, a gas station, or a, a, a radio – something, you know, something big and old that's just phenomenal-looking that you just look at it and you see the engineering that went into it back in that day – how much it took and how much time it took them to build that. That stuff's very interesting to me. So I'm, I'm always looking for that one trick piece, always. Now, you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of stuff was, and, and I and I empathize with you because I'm, I'm all about what's made in America and I'm all about nostalgia. And yeah. just like you said, when it was made back in the day, there was pride and then they incorporated yeah. longevity and they wanted the stuff to last forever. But, like, what do you do when you run up against something that uh, where there's, like, for example, if you've run into stuff out of the 30s and 40s, that's, that was basically the machine age. So you've got this Art Deco stuff that incorporated a lot of pot metal, and some of that stuff has yeah. just deteriorated. How do you go about – what would be like a process you would use to kind of – to restore uh, something like that? Well, yeah. That's very that's ornate, tough. you know, something that's real ornate and radiuses and stuff, and, and again, it's pot metal. So what do you do? And it down and it breaks down, meaning that it's, it's got a piece off of it. Yeah. That's – the toughest challenge. I found, you know, different casting companies that will make me a piece, but if it's such a large piece, it's impossible to make. I, I, I'm still working on trying to figure out how I'm trying to TIG weld, you know, TIG welding is. I try to TIG weld different cast materials to get together to patch them, and then there's a lot of metal work in order to bring the thing back, you know, to the same look. But if you end up with a part that's totally rotted, and that is the key part that you need to, uh, you know, find to make it right. Mm-hmm. One, <laughs> that's a bad deal. I mean, you got two options. One, to make it, and, you know, and then that's sort of going against my grain because I like to keep it original. Or two, thank God for the Internet, finding another one. I mean, I mean, that's a crapshoot. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Oh, yes. So, Spe- my thing back on the Internet, you know, speaking about the Internet, you take the Internet, and uh, there was a day that I did not like it because the day that they came out became the day that I slowed down in business because no longer did I go out and sell something and all of a sudden it was a surprise to somebody and they said, oh, wow, check that thing out. You got this. I mean, this is really cool. I've never seen anything like that. Internet came out and now everybody in the country has one and they're pointing it out to people. So I slowed down in business. But the Internet now is sort of my friend because... If I need a part, there's so many people trying to sell something little or stupid that you can find it. So it's it's a good and bad. 
Well, that's that's the, that. The, there's the cliche. You're taking lemons and making lemonade out of it because that's the same thing that happened to me in my business. It kind of hurt me a well as well. But now I use the internet for resource and to and reference, and now I can find the stuff that I need and the information I need. You know, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly what I found, and now it is my friend. So, <laughs> how about motorcycles? How often do you get in motorcycle projects? Vintage bikes. Motorcycles uh, probably once a month. Really. Um, yeah, we got it. We did that matchless motorcycle. It was made out of Britain. It was in 1955. We've done a lot of different Harley. Some on TV, some off. Uh, I did a Shizetta that's actually coming out on, a, on an episode, which is a Yugoslavian. Now, here's my thing. I really, really, really like nothing but American. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sort of set that straight across because you'll hear me on TV talking a little bad about this other kind of equipment. But, um, you know, I, I, I got a show to do, so I got this wild stuff, too, but... I, I love the American stuff. I love the Harley stuff, and and you know, you know, the motorcycles are very interesting. The other stuff, overseas bikes, are uh, in the day that they were running. I mean, they were faster than us, and we and we really tried hard to try to capture them and find them. But they had such a head start. So I learned all that stuff about all these bikes being why they were faster, and, and you know, they were lighter. They were this. They, and the ratios were different. All that kind of stuff. So working on different bikes is a good thing too. So. When I do work on a, an American bike, I can sort of figure out why. What about now? Cars, you don't do very much, right? You just did that one in that one episode with uh, the 57 Chevy. But as a rule, you're not in the, you don't restore the cars, right? Yeah, no. Right now, there's, uh, you know, I did, I've, I've done cars before. But on the episodes, because of the length of time that it takes me to do one, mm-hmm. uh, it's very hard, one, realistically, to say every week I popped out a car. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and anybody that restores cars. Yeah. And then one of the things that is, um, Brettley, which is, is my stepson, he, uh, he had a 60, he had this desire to get an old truck, you know, and he bought this 65 uh, Chevy. So this is coming out on one of the episodes um, for the season one. And uh, he did a pretty good job, and, and, and we worked on it, and you know, we restored trucks. I mean, we restored this truck. The next thing you know, my son, Tyler, which is a year younger than him, he goes out and buys a 65 Ford. So now I got this Ford Chevy competition going on the shop, both being uh, filmed. <laughs> so and they're both trying to one up each other. You know, you got, you got to have so many, uh, you know, these guys' motors got to be sort of closed and this and that. And one guy's designed a little differently, so it's a lot of fun. But um, as far as doing it on the show, I think it's been done a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. Ours, so. But I do think that the cars are, you know, they, they sort of go along with what we do, you know. Now, what about, let's say, what if you find something really unusual, something small, like an old Crosley or an old, uh, uh, you know, let's say a BMW Isetta or something that's kind of small but kind of funky and, and, and kind of nostalgic? I'd love those. I love those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I love those. You know, because it's smaller and it's, you know, yeah. And it's a little easier. It needs to be sort of complete. You need to be able to get parts. But, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, just no, I don't see a little bigger than a golf cart. They did that one golf cart for uh, the guys at Pawn Stars for Harrison's dad, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're they're different. You know what I mean? They're different pieces. That's all. That'd be awesome. How did? Like they, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. I like the three wheel stuff too. You know, like the you know the stuff with the side cars and all that stuff. Just the different stuff. You know, stuff that not everybody has or seen. Now, how did the whole thing with the show come about? I mean, you'd been in Vegas for a while doing what you're doing, right? And then were you friends with the guys from Pawn Stars, and, and they kind of invited you on board? Is that how that happened, or what? Exa- how did that whole play out? 
Yeah, no, we weren't we weren't uh, friends. We didn't. I didn't even. You know, I've never been to a pawn shop in my life. And uh, what had happened was um, the production company um, saw that we did what we did. They found out what we did. So Rick called me up and he said, "Rick, I got a gas pump and I want to restore it. And here's the deal: I want to I want to try buying something, and then I want to try to restore it, and then I want to try to sell it." And I said. I was hesitant. My son wanted to do it. I wasn't very, I was, I was like, what? I don't really want to be on TV. I don't really want to do this. So the next thing you know, they talked us into it. So he started out with this gas pump and then it went into a Coke machine. And then the viewers liked that we were on. The History Channel liked how we were doing and how we did our stuff. So it ended up becoming a show. And then as we were still trying to, to, you know, sort of film the, 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 like the prelim part of the showing to see if we could, you know, actually do it. I was still restoring stuff for Rick, so I was on, on camera and off camera. I did, I did like probably five, six barber chairs for him. So, he, you know, he found out that when he restored the stuff that he could actually sell it, even with my restoration price. So he was just turning stuff and then everything weird, any pile of junk that he could buy for $5 or $100, he would send in and then try to make a dollar off of it, which he did. So um, that's how we came about, and here we are now, doing our own thing. So then what, History Channel basically approached you and said, hey, would you be interested in doing a show? Is that what it is then? Yeah, and the very end of it, in the very end of it, History came to me and said, hey, um, yeah, I think we want you to, to do a show. Let's try out um, four pilots. So we did the four pilots, and then... Um, after that, they came to us and said, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll do 26 episodes. So that was an upgrade. Uh, we did the 26, and now just, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, they hit us with another 26 episodes. So now that we're into our second season. So that means we're pretty much on our way. That's super. You know what I really enjoy about your show? And the consensus is the same thing. There's not a lot of drama. It's a pretty decent show, pretty civil show. It's a good show. It's an informative show. And, you're, I mean, the stuff that you guys go through is really, really Really cool. Matter of fact, Chris has a question for you. Chris has got he's got something he you might be interested in. Hey, hey, <laughs> Rick, I, um, this is Chris with Crown Collector Cars. We have a very interesting entry into our auction. Uh, it is a 1922 Indian Scout. It's a barn find, and it is about 99 percent complete. Of course, it's you know in need of a full restoration. Is that something you would tackle? Oh, absolutely. You send me a picture of that, and I'll get you a close price. And then we'll go to town. I would love to do that scout. I would love to. Yeah, this is a really cool uh, story involved with this, and uh, I'll uh, definitely forward the pictures to you through Robert. Okay, and that, that is the key to me restoring stuff for people is the story because it's not just all about me restoring something for money. It's about me uh, restoring something for someone's memory or something that makes a difference. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not. That's it, not all about. I, I, I don't like restoring stuff for people. That all you're gonna do is, is gonna take it and just make a buck off of it. I like something that means something. It's a big thing to me. And every single piece that comes in here has a story. I mean, and I mean, even Rick says that too. But it, our stuff is is like. I mean, we're, I'm restoring people's memories, not just restoring their teeth. And it, and it means a lot. And they get real emotional on on camera and off camera. They're you know they cry and they're so happy and. It's an awesome feeling for me because it sort of made me, it made me realize that uh, this stuff is not just all about the money, it's about, you know, people. 
Well, Rick, you know, uh, it just dawned on me that you could actually see these pictures right away if you go to crowncollectorcars.com and uh, click on cars and scroll down through the uh, entries into the auction. You'll find that Indian right on uh, on our website. Okay, so it's Crown Collectors Cars. Crown Collector Singular okay. Cars dot com. Okay, got it. Okay, super awesome. What? Okay, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I think that's a really neat bike there. And, and like you said earlier, you want to restore something made in America, and that's made in America. And there's nothing yeah. more symbolic yeah. than an Indian motorcycle. That's the fact. That's the fact. And, and yeah. this one is really, really all there. When you see the pictures, you'll be, you'll be excited. I found uh, – now, here's – I got another one for you. I'm not sure if you're interested in this, but I actually ran across a 1953 BMW motorcycle. I think it's a – might be a 250. I think that's roughly what the dimension, the CCs are on that one. And this guy found it sitting in a shed by a marina down here in St. Petersburg. And yeah. uh, so I've been chasing that for a while. It's, it's probably 75, 80% complete, but it's just totally just unrestored survivor just leaning up against a post kind of bike. I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah. right up your alley as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, the stuff with the, the BMWs and stuff, we found that out with Maxxis. I mean, the Wentworth uh, wrenches, every, everything is in you know, a Wentworth. British stuff is like, um, oh, my God, it's, it's an entire different wrench set. It's like they just went and said, hey, we're not going to use anybody else's wrench in the world or size or, me- or system. Oh, the- gonna use yeah, the <laughs> Wentworth, right, exactly. Let's see how they do. So what is one of the most difficult and challenging um, antiques that you've restored that really brought a lot of joy to you? Um, Something unusual. Yeah. Right now, okay, this uh, it's uh, Northern Nevada's uh, or Reno, um, they had a museum up there. Reno has a museum. I'm sorry. No, it's not Reno. Reno. Anyway, there's a museum up north, and they brought in a, a vacuum that used to vacuum in the in the let's say late 1800s, it used to vacuum out train cars. Now on this, this it was just a vacuum, right? Okay, no, whatever. It was not, when I saw it, I had no clue what it was. It looked like a steam engine. And uh, so he brings this in, and, uh, and he said he wants it restored. And, of course, yes, they say yes. Well, as we turn to the part, we find that it's got, like, it's got, like, you know, it's got electric, electric going on. It had a blower motor, like you see in a race car, a blower on the front of it. Um and it was just so complex, and it was so nasty to begin with. It was all black and nasty and gross, and it was, it was just terrible. So as we got into the thing, it had wood on it, too. It had brass on it. It had copper on it. It had all kinds of these colors and stuff in it. But it was made, all it was to do was suck up the dirt out of these cars. But it was so complex, and every single thing that we had to do, in the electric motor that was on it, and the, and the blower had to be, you know, properly geared and and mesh correctly for it to get it stuck right. And, and then it had this huge canister on the top that had a really uh, very uh, ornate artwork on it that we did. And when we got done with that, it, it, it aired. But when we got done with that, if you see that thing in person, it was absolutely beautiful. And it was probably the hardest thing I've done so far. Um, it, it was just intense. It was absolutely awesome. What period was that? What, how, what age? What vintage was it? <laughs> It was late 1800s. No kidding. Yeah, 1889, I think. Yeah. 
Rick, do you have a website where people could go and maybe take? Uh, did you want to talk about it and then people uh, can see some of the stuff that you've done? Yeah, we uh, we're dot com, and um, on that website we have stuff like stuff we've done. There's, there's also some video clips in there of, of actually a full process. You'll see step by step how we're doing some wild whatever by a barber's chair, whatever's on. We can't do the stuff that we've done on TV, but there's a lot of other stuff on there. There's um, you know there's stuff for sale. There's unrestored pieces that if you're looking for something. Um, there's all kinds of stuff on that website, so Super. it's a good website. Now, you also you you participate in the charity. Tell us a little bit about the charity. That's uh, kind of close to your heart too, a little bit. Yeah, Kelly and I. Um, Kelly's my fiance, and she she runs the, the business end of my business. I'm just a mechanic. Um, she, uh, she she lost her mother, and what happened was is it's called Vegas. Um, it's called Helping Hands of Las Vegas, which is uh, helping elderly people that are on low income and they have the, the option of either buying medication or buying food and they opt for buying medication so they don't have any money to eat. So what we do is we, um, every Saturday, um, there's somebody that collects food and, and they get the food together in baskets and stuff and, then, and we deliver it to them by hand to their door. And uh, now because of filming, we've done, we're a little busy, so now we're, we're contributing to them. But it, you'd be amazed what five dollars will do it'll feel like an elderly person for a month with five dollars so that's our uh, that's our charity that we really really our heart felt with hey rick this is oh i'm sorry but this is chris again um listen at our auction uh we do a little charity work and i'd love to extend the invitation for you to uh i know with the wild and deserved success of your show your schedule may be jam-packed but this October 14th and 15th, we're having an auction here in Tampa. And if you'd like to send us something, we'd be more than happy to auction it off for your foundation. Oh, yeah. And all the proceeds, including any fees that are garnered, would go directly to your foundation. Oh, that'd be awesome. I really appreciate that. Yes, yes. Yeah, so if you I could figure it out, uh, you know, you know, can get in touch with me through the website, and uh, we'll work out all the details. Okay, awesome. I'll have Kelly get on that for sure. Great. Appreciate that. Now, you just moved to a big facility now, too. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, everything you're seeing on film is, at, is actually at my house. I, live, uh, I have a house that's an acre and a half, and I, I built all that stuff in the last 13 years in the back to make it look like a little, whatever, not very farm, but where I, you know, I enjoy that stuff. So I, I built this up, and what had happened was, in order for the film to work and then to let people in and see what we do, we had to move to a, a, a bigger facility. I mean, first of all, it's at my house, and uh, it's not really good to do some of the stuff we're doing there. So we're moving to a place where we can. Um, we've taken the building. It's in, it's in Las Vegas, and it's, on, uh, it's at 1112 South Commerce Street. And you can come in, and you can literally get a tour. And you can walk through, and there's each, each one of the guys are in rooms, and there's glass in the rooms. And you look through the rooms, and you can see them building you know, five, ten different projects all at once. So you go in and you see assembly and you go in and you see, you know, Cowboy doing the, the woodwork and the prepping and the polishing. And you can go down and see Brettley doing the teardown through this other, you know, really large window. And then you can go see the body guy and you can come out and, and you can see all the fabrication done and all that stuff. And then in the end we have some, we're doing jukeboxes and then we also do motors in this other, other room. So you get this whole little tour, you know, it's like a, an attraction kind of thing. While at the same time we are working and getting stuff done, 
and the film crews film at the same time. So it's, it's an awesome facility. Wow, that's great. Hey, Rick, we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, I hope you can uh, you know, send something out to the auction because we'd love to auction it off for you. Yeah. Obviously, I think it would be great exposure for you as as, uh, as, you, as you know. As, anyway, it would be great exposure for you. But uh, anyway, uh, if you ever come to Florida, be sure and look us up. Okay, and then uh, Chris and I might make it out to SEMA this year. If we get out to SEMA in November, we'll definitely stop in and see you. And uh, glad to have you. And uh, we'll check it out. And uh, it's definitely on our radar. And uh, I want to thank our guest this evening. It was Rick Dale from American Restorations. Be sure and tune into his show. It's on the History Channel every Friday. What time's the show? It's nine o'clock, isn't it? Uh, it's seven o'clock. Uh, ten o'clock Eastern time. Oh, ten o'clock Eastern time. Okay. And uh, it's one of my favorite shows because I really get into this stuff. So anyway, um, but uh, anyway, so you want to go ahead and plug your website one more time real quick? Yeah, it's com. Okay. And and, uh, thank you, Robert and Chris, very, very much for giving me the opportunity and uh, talking to me. It was a pleasure. Okay. And hey, say thanks to Kelly because she uh, helped me arrange this whole thing for you. You got it. Yeah, without Kelly, that'd be nothing, believe me. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Believe me, Rick, uh, the, the pleasure was all ours. Thank you, guys, very right. much. I'll get some stuff out to you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. How are we doing there on time, Cedric? We're just about out? Okay. You got the closing song? There we go. All right. All right. We're doing Cedric great. Chris, I think yeah. <laughs> Chris, that was a good show. Oh, it was great. He's a I great really guy, enjoyed, and I yeah. love his show. You know what it is? He's humble. Yeah, but he's, uh, he's a real guy. He's a real guy. And he really enjoys what he does, and it shows in, in, in his work. Passionate about made in America. Yep. You know, that was the one question I forgot to ask him. What do you think about made in America? It needs to be made in America. It should be. It should be. All right, guys. Tune in next week. This is Nostalgic Radio Cars, 7 o'clock Wednesday. We have, we have a special guest for you next week. Oh, wow. Wait till you tune in for that one. Don't yep. miss it. Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg, WDCF, Dade City, Zephyr Hills, and Wesley Chapel, and KLRG, Sheridan, Little Rock, Arkansas.